Paris Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 126 with my guest today, Wolf from the band Accept. So in today's podcast, we talk about the new album called Too Mean to Die, which is out January 29th via Nuclear Blast. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Nuclear Blast for all these interviews they're getting me and for promoting these great artists and their new albums. So make sure you check out Nuclear Blast for all their artists and albums coming out. And thank you to my sponsors, Ernie Ball Music, Musician, Shred Guitar Works, and Custom Guitar Picks. Check out the show notes for their websites. Now, like always, before we go to interview, let's check out a little bit of the single Too Mean to Die. So I guess the first thing that really stood out is now that you've got the, the three guitars, I know you do have a lot mm-hmm. of um, probably more harmony solos than usual. Yeah, we wanted to give the new guys some room and, and, and really bring out the fact that we have three guitar players, you know, because yeah. what we were planning to do and what we now can do is, especially live, we can do things we couldn't do before where we, you know, uh, we play overdub parts that are basically normally only on albums um so we now because it's always been fun to play twin guitars stuff or dueling guitar leads on stage but normally you don't have a rhythm guitar when you do that because with only two guitars you know you can't do that so but having three guitar players live now is is a nice addition and a somewhat new concept for us and so having that we just wanted to represent that on the album too so yeah you know and phil Phil is a great player, so we made sure he's got some spots on the album where he can really let go, you know, let loose. And so when you recorded the album with the harmony guitars, did you both, did you do one part, he did the other part, or did you actually play both parts? Uh, no, we, you know, we never really play together. Usually it's one player at a time when we concentrate on his part. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I did the first half and then he came in and did the second half and that sort of thing, you know, and yeah. then sometimes we play together, obviously, but we mm. never really record together that much because, quite frankly, it's easier to concentrate on one instrument at a time yeah. to really nail it. I do a lot of the guitars myself because I always have. Yeah. Uh, even a lot of that stuff this time around with without Andy, you know, especially because of the lockdown thing, there was he wasn't here enough because we had a little bit strange situation where he couldn't come back into the country. And mm. but even without COVID, I a lot of times work alone on guitar stuff, so I'm used to it. Yeah, and I make sure it's and until it's up to standard, basically, you know. So I would, yeah, sit here sometimes for hours just alone, and I love doing that sort of thing. So you started in, was it March or just before the lockdown recording, then you had the break and then got back in in July or something? That's correct. We started early in the year because we thought we were all going to be on tour, including Andy Sneap, our producer, Mm. because he's, as you might know, he's now part of Judas Priest's live band. So he was going to go on tour and do festival shows all summer long. And we didn't really know how to make the album, to be quite honest, how to do it time-wise. And we we just said, well, let's just record what we have. Even though the album isn't completely written yet, let's just record the songs that we have and then worry about the rest 
when we can. And then so we recorded the first stuff in, in March. And right around that time, COVID got so intense that um, it was quite clear soon that the, the touring wouldn't be happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. Say about May or so, everything was canceled for the whole summer. And all of a sudden, everybody had time. But then Andy couldn't travel anymore because, you know, nobody could come into the United States from the UK. So we had no other choice but to have this sort of hybrid online system going where he could listen in and, and produce the album from over there. Or the rest of the songs, I should say. It was only at that point, it was only maybe four or five songs that we did. Okay. And mainly vocals. A lot of the guitars were already done at that point. So, mm. yeah. So do you find this has maybe opened up a, a whole new way of recording in the future, the way you, know, you guys did it online and everything? Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it that way, but yeah, if you yeah. had to do it that way, it's definitely doable, uh, especially if you're working with guys that you know quite well. I think it might be a little strange if, if you work with somebody that you're not familiar with. I don't know, because how do you get comfortable with somebody that is just on a, on a screen, somebody you yeah. don't even know that well. Yeah. It's kind of awkward, maybe, but we know Andy really well, and yeah. it was totally doable. I mean, the quality of the whole album, yeah, it's amazing. It's great, great quality. I've heard that comment so many times now. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews for this album, and a lot of people say it sounds so fresh, and so fresh is what I hear, keep hearing, and so yeah. full of energy. So, yeah, exactly. Quite honestly, I don't really know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> We've we really haven't done anything so differently. I mean, maybe it's the new guys of the band because, you know, new yeah. players always bring a bunch of new energy into the whole thing. That yeah. might be it. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah. Honestly. <laughs> All these new riffs, or is there any, like, old riffs you had back in the day that you brought back? I don't know. I always have riffs, tons of riffs, man. I've got so many half-finished songs and so many riffs that kicking around. I always write new stuff all the time. Hmm. So there's always bunch that is, uh, a bunch of stuff that never sees the light of the day. I try to not go back to old stuff because, I don't know, it always feels, like, stale and old. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes it still sometimes it still happens where you go and listen to older stuff and you think like wow I wish because sometimes at the time you don't you have a great starting point but you can't, don't necessarily have the rest of the song it never falls in place properly so you, you end up never using it but once in a while you you work with something that was a leftover from a previous session or so but mm. it's mostly ninety nine percent is new stuff I would say yeah because listening to it the you know, a lot of the riffs they remind me of back in the day. Just that, you know, that really great riff metal. So it's still got that influence on the on this album. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's kind of what we're going for. We're trying to write songs that kind of have a little bit of that old school vibe and the '80s vibe and yeah. all that, but only fresh ideas, brand new songs with the modern production. But we like it when they have this old. When they remind us of the early days. It's good. Yeah, that's right. Because I was because I'm actually a guitar teacher. That's my main job. So I always try to hear. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So when I listen to you know, albums, I always think, oh, this would be a really cool riff, you know, to teach my students. So, you know, just little things that you do. I think, oh, yeah, I have to bring some of these songs out. Ah, oh, nice. Okay. Well, be my guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because I had an interview with uh, Michael Schenker two days ago about his new album coming out, pretty much the same time like you guys, I think. 
end of January. Yeah, he is. And, um, yeah, same same lips. Yeah, I know. Yeah, his last song on the album is actually his first ever written song. He's uh, re- redone it again. No kidding. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. The song's called In Search of the Peace of Mind. It was on the Scorpions' first album, uh, Lonesome Crow. No kidding. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds very similar. He's just cut off some parts and, you know, changed a few things around. But yeah, it's a really good listen. So, highly recommend it. <laughs> Check it out. Another great album. I will. I will. So Too Mean to Die, where you do have the, yeah, the mm-hmm. dueling, dueling solos and the, the harmony solo as well. So can you tell us mm-hmm. a bit, bit about that song? Yeah, I mean, To Dune to Die is obviously the title track. And, and, and in this case, we had the title first because I like the title Too Mean to Die. I don't know. It just sounded like it would fit the times that we live in, you know, because yeah. it's not a direct reference to the COVID times, but it it's also, you could say it's auto biography i mean we've been doing this for so long that it feels like we're the metal machines and we can't be killed yeah exactly <laughs> you know obviously yeah. it's, not, it's not meant to be serious in any way but it, maybe it cheers up fans a little bit and it's kind of a straight in your face metal statement so to say yeah uh, so i liked it and i finally came up with a bunch of riffs that seemed to make sense and and you know it, it seemed to be like a perfect opening track i mean the per- perfect title track i would say And then the, the other one is The Undertaker. Yeah, that, that's an odd song because it was actually written backwards. It was the, the lyrics were written by Mark just in the form of a poem or just, you know, lyrics on paper without any music. And I, I really liked the lyrics. They inspired me to write this. Yeah, I, mm. you know, it's always good to, when you read lyrics and you have this sort of visual image in your head, you almost like a little movie that goes off in your mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that happened there. And I thought... That'd be cool. I was thinking of this creepy Undertaker guy, maybe from a Western movie, all dressed in black, and he's burying the dead bodies, maybe in the middle of the night, or I don't know. I had all kinds of <laughs> weird visual images when I read read those lyrics yeah. that inspired me to write the song in the way I did. Is it your solos in this song? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, because I noticed it's got a lot of the, um, I don't know, it sounds more like the harmonic minor scales. It works really well, though. Uh, yeah, and it's actually the solo in that part is it's also on the the intro part is is, is being repeated in the solo mm. underneath the solo during the outro as well, and that is a good example of the snippet yep. chord stri- a chord thingy that I had just as an instrumental piece, and I didn't know what to do with it. Is ding 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 ding, 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 you know that whole sequence that is. Yep. I just had that kicking around, and we changed the key on it, and used it as a as an intro for the song, mm. and it worked so well, and it fit the the Undertaker mood so well that I thought, what would be a shame to not use it to only have it once in the song, and mm. so I thought, what would it sound like if I solo over that, mm. and I, I used it as a background, and did a first take solo on it actually while Andy was in the room, then it, it turned out to be almost like a little jazzy, weird with some half note and a little bit unusual, but yeah. Andy said he was, Andy said he really liked it. It was different somehow, you know, yeah. it almost got like an old timey, old timey feeling to it. That's slightly unusual, but it seemed to fit the mood of the song that we decided to, to keep it. And I actually played that solo. 
I played it again. I didn't use that first take that I did, but I actually played it note for note again in a better take. You know, oh, well, yeah. it's kind of funny. Sometimes you think, sometimes these things happen spontaneously. It, it's a totally different. It's not your typical shredding and you know yeah. all out warfare kind of solo. It's actually sort of, yeah, I don't know. It's mm. a little bit laid back almost. You know, and I, it, it seemed to work well. It does. And we actually changed the sound a little bit on it too. We, at first, we were thinking we should maybe try to do it sort of give that whole sequence like a completely different sound, mm -hmm. even even with the drums and the the rest of the playback, but it turned out to be a little too much at one point, so we dialed it back. But we experimented a little bit there. It was fun. The, the song Symphony of Pain, that, that's another great one, my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, just the, the riff and the way you've added in the, was it the Ode to Joy and the, the Fifth Symphony in there? Good, yeah, you caught it both. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> a lot of people hear the Ode to Joy reference there, but not everybody catches the, uh, the fifth. fifth Symphony bit in the pre-chorus. Uh, yeah. da -da -da -da, <laughs> you know? no, very relevant. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this sort, of, this, this sort of thing for years where I'm playing around with classical themes, and I love doing this this thing. You know, I've, I've even made some solo albums with just that. And in this case, I work on the song and... What I really liked was the title, Symphony of Pain, and I've been playing around with that in my head for some time, even on previous albums, but I never came up with the proper riffs and it never fell in place, right? But yeah. now I finally had stuff together that seemed to work and it seemed to make sense. So, And, and I thought, like, if ever there's a good place to put some symphonic parts into a song, it probably would be this one. And mm. I thought symphony, 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 which is the most best-known symphony of them all. Well, it's got to be the Fifth Symphony by Beethoven. So I actually found a way to to smuggle it into that song, and uh, I'm quite glad it worked out that well. <laughs> and then, you know, like you you say, I, I, I then I wanted to reference more of Beethoven, even during the solo. Yeah. And uh, we came up with Ode to Joy. Only the original Ode to Joy is in a major key, and it was, you know, it's quite happy. Mm. And that wouldn't have worked in a song called, you know, Symphony of Pain, which is all about pain and minor and minor key. So we just played that theme in a, in a, a minor key, and now it's the Ode to Pain. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's funny in a way if you think about it, because the original is in the major key, yeah. and it actually it's a completely different melody because of it. Mm. If you listen closely, it, now it's in a minor, but everybody still recognizes it. Exactly, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Now, I just wanted, the other thing I want to say about your your fortune tellers for you guys, how you wrote the song Pandemic back, what, 2010? Yeah, I know. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I know. And just the lines you've got in there, like, a worldwide eruption underneath your skin, worldwide corruption slowly sweeping in. It's a mental disease. It's pretty much describing what's happening now. I know. It's crazy if you think about it. It so is. We better don't write any more songs than that. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you very much again. And um, All right, my friend. It's been nice talking with you. So stay yeah. safe down there in Australia. And, you know, enjoy your wonderful country, your wonderful coffee. <laughs> Thank you. I know you guys have the best coffee in the world. <laughs> I just said that later, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I love not to come to Australia, hopefully soon. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, hopefully see you maybe next year. Yes, please. All right, All right my friend. Thanks, Will. You take care. Okay? Yep. I'll see you then. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Bye. Sì, bye. bye, bye.